In the name of Jesus, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Tell that to John. There he sat in prison. He'd done everything that the Lord had appointed him to do. He was the last and final prophet, the preacher of the coming Messiah. Though John's message was different from every other prophet that was before him. Every prophet before him had said, the Savior is coming. John's message was, there he is. What did John's faithfulness get him? Did it get him praise? Did it get him fame? Did it get him prosperity? No. None of those things. It got him trouble. It got him arrested. Landed him in prison. Soon, he would lose his head for being a prophet. A true preacher of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Even for Herod who had taken his brother's wife as his own. Locked in his prison cell, darkness and dungeon, what else did John get? Well, there John sat. Nothing else to do but think. And based on the question he asks through his disciples, we see what else John got for being an imprisoned preacher? Worry and doubt. What was it all for? Was it all worth it? Are you the one who is to come? Should we look for someone else? God is good. All the time, and all the time, God is good. How's that working out for you? Is God good? Good for you? Good toward you? Or good toward everyone else but you? There are many nagging doubts that enter our consciences just like they did for John, especially when life takes a turn like John's. The devil is close at hand to get you then. Like a shark with blood in the water, that's the devil around a Christian bearing his or her cross. Suffering, trial, tribulation is one of the marks of the Christian church and also a mark of her members, believers in Christ. Believers are, as Paul says, predestined by God to be conformed, shaped into the image of his Son. It's a cruciform image. That is, the Christian's life takes on the form of the cross. Suffering, 
to cross, cross to grave, and finally grave to resurrection of the body. Does this knowledge make it easier? No. Look at John. He preached, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now all he has left is, Are you for real? Isn't there someone else? Why am I rotting in prison? Our flesh also does not hold back its confession of God either. Really, it's anti-confession. It's anti-God manifesto. What sort of plan is this? Why am I going through this? Why'd you do this to me? Why'd you let this happen? Why'd you make this happen? What sort of good God are you? Why'd you ignore my prayers? What good is believing in you anyway? Why'd my life end up here? What did I ever do to you? Well, you know what you've done, but not that your experience is punishment for any sin in particular. But besides that, who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? But we do. We end up hating God for being, well, God. This is the original sin of wanting to be God in God's place. And what is the Lord to do with such a sad bunch? With a prophet who's locked up in prison and imprisoned with doubts. What about you? With your thoughts and feelings about the surrounding darkness. Well, the Lord does what he always does with such individuals. He sends them a preacher. That's what Jesus did for John. Jesus sends the two disciples of John back to John as preachers for John. They are to give John the message, the good news, that the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. All those things are just the realization of the message John himself preached Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The message that they preached to John, the message Jesus sent those two disciples to preach, is that the Christ is here to give life to the dead. John was brought out of his doubt by being told what Jesus said and did. He was given the light of Christ in his prison cell. He was given the hope of life in Christ as he knew that the executioner would be coming. He was given the peace of Christ in the midst of his worry and doubt. 
He was given the good news that his sins are forgiven. That's the very same message Isaiah preaches to us today. Jerusalem's warfare is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That's more forgiveness than she has sins. The Lord does for you the very same thing he did for John. He sends you a preacher. I've got the very same message that John heard. The very same message John needed. The very same message Jesus once preached to the ends of the world. The Christ is here to give life to the dead. That's why Christ came. That's why Christ was born. That's why Christ himself went through arrest, prison, suffering, death, and grave. And Christ really did go through the grave. He didn't stay in it. He rose. He came to give life to the dead, to give forgiveness to sinners, doubters, worriers, those who mourn, those in prison. He came to give and fulfill the promise of resurrection from the dead by his own resurrection from the dead. His blood sets us free to be the people of God, the children of God, Jesus' own dear brothers and sisters. And just like Isaiah preaches, there is double for all your sins. More forgiveness than you have sins. And this is why every absolution is for all your sins. It's why the sermon preaches the forgiveness of all your sins. This is why the supper of Jesus' body and blood is for the forgiveness of sins. Which sins? All sins. It's why each Our Father asks for the forgiveness of all our trespasses. You see, the Lord is never done with giving you forgiveness. He died for all your sins, and right now, in the present tense, wherever you are, He continually forgives all your sins. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Say that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The Christ is indeed here to give life to the dead. The Lord Jesus doesn't break the bruised reed. John was not a reed shaken by the wind in the wilderness, but he was when locked away in his prison cell. He had forgotten that he was the forerunner, the one preparing the way for Jesus. But he didn't just get people ready by preaching. 
He prepared the way of the Lord by what he did, too. He went the way Christ himself would go. John preached in the wilderness. So did Jesus. John was arrested in Jerusalem. So was Jesus. John was executed. So was Jesus. John was buried. So was Jesus. And on the third day, Jesus fully surpasses John. Jesus came back to life. And now we are following that same path. Suffering, death, grave. But we will receive the very same thing where Jesus blazes a trail. We will get a resurrection and an empty tomb just like Jesus. Because the Christ is here to give life to the dead. And that is the only way that God is good. That he gives life to the dead in the midst of their death. And this is why the traditional color for Advent is, is purple, repentance, or, or blue, hope. Though it's, in this life, an unfulfilled hope. And yet, uh, on this third Sunday of Advent, we have joy. Our repentance, our unfulfilled expectations are brightened, lightened to the color pink. Because there is joy in the midst of suffering for no other reason that, than that Christ is here to give life to the dead. Life for the dead, forgiveness for sinners, a shoulder for the weak, an ear for the distressed. Jesus is God enough not only to shoulder your burdens, to bear your sins, but to forgive your anti-him thoughts and feelings. After all, only the dead get life. Only sinners Get forgiveness. And if you've got a lot, the Lord's got double for each of them. More forgiveness than you have sins today. And on the last day, an empty tomb and life everlasting. In the name of Jesus.